Blog Talk Radio.
there's a big panic because government came out and and basically said that sorry I had some mic issues there. Hopefully you guys got to hear the first 10 minutes of my of my broadcast, but um the government came out and said that hey, these um these tanker drivers are going to strike and it's going to happen in about 10 days, so everybody go out and get cans and fill up and all that stuff. So the the public panic and now they're almost dry on fuel, and now it's one of those things that that the government is probably going to have to step in and take over that responsibility, but they're just sitting on their hands. So taking a little excerpt from the article, it says the, the Unite Union, which represents 2,000 tanker drivers who are threatening to strike yesterday, ruled out any industrial action over Easter saying that it wants to focus on reaching a settlement. Okay, so these guys are ready to do business, and they just want to get paid a little bit more, and – so now you have this guy named Brian Manderson, the chairman of the retail motor uh, industry in Petrol, and he represents um, 5,500 of the UK's 8,400 filling stations, says that the government has the power to bring in the emergency fuel plan within 24 hours, but they still haven't discussed any form of emergency rationing with us. Remember, this guy owns all these fuel plants. You would have... You would have thought it would be sensible to do so, and I'm staggering that they are failing to engage us. No, don't be staggered. They love this stuff. They love getting the people up in arms and then posing as a savior. Whether it's something as small as as a fuel crisis. I remember we had a fuel crisis here in Georgia, and that was right after the um, the oil tanker got hit in the um, in the Gulf of Mexico. We had a fuel panic here, and they didn't do anything. Guys, government is not here to save you. And if you can take anything away from the message that I always send out on each show, is that government is not your buddy. They're supposed to be the rule of law. That's it. They're supposed to be the arbiter. They're supposed to be the person that says, okay, this is this is kind of not good for society, and this is good for society, and then we're going to have a vote. They're not going to sit there and – they always want to make their lives look more important than they really are and their role in your life more important than it really is. I mean, so so when they come out and say that, hey, we're we're really not going to discuss this fuel stuff. Well, the reason they're not going to discuss it is they want it to get to like almost a fever pitch. And then when it gets to the fever pitch, then they get to pose as a savior and come in and say, oh, look at what we did. We got you guys all this, all this gas. Kind of like when FEMA and, and – and, um, in New Orleans, what a joke! FEMA, the emergency, uh, federal emergency, whatever the heck—I can't even remember what it stands for. It just makes me so mad just thinking about it. There are people in the Superdome for weeks without food, water, nothing, and the government's coming. And they kept saying that we're coming, we're coming, we're coming. And then they wait till it gets to a fever pitch, and then they show up and they have and they and they give dead people checks. And they have these huge, you know, FEMA trucks that they roll in that that they set up as shelters, and then nobody uses them. And then they got to scrap them, and it's a huge waste of money. But remember, they're the saviors; they're the ones that are going to save you. So don't worry about it. So continuing on to the article, um, the National Emergency Plan for Fuel has drawn up uh, 2,000 after <laughs> drawn up in 2,000 after the UK oil refineries were blockaded in in protest um, against fuel duty. It enables the government to use powers in the, in the Energy Act of 1976 to ration fuel as agreed of essential users, including emergency workers and doctors. Now, the crazy part about this article that I didn't even, that I didn't even list in my, in my quotes was that 
you have emergency vehicles coming up, trying to fill up, and then they're getting rationed. Guys, use your freaking noodles. You don't need the petrol. Somebody that's having a heart attack that's going to get into an ambulance is probably going to need the fuel more than you do. And I understand it's a huge convenience and it's a huge inconvenience to find some other method of transportation, but use your noodles. Good gosh. But then again, you know, once you get into into a situation like this, everybody's out for themselves and you see true humanitarians, you know, go into seclusion where they're talking about how we need to help and save everyone. All of a sudden it's all about me, 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 gimme, gimme, gimme. So next article I wanted to transition into was um, some more fun facts about my favorite thing to ingest, which are GMOs. And the article and the headline reads Stealth GMOs rapidly consuming the global food supply. And what it talks about in the article is that um is that you're starting to see GMOs cross-pollinate with regular with regular, you know, non-tainted um crops and then what's happening is that the GMO are basically overcoming these things. So you know, here are just some statistics that I pulled from the article, which are absolutely incredible, and I'll just read you off a couple of them, and um, and I'll actually go into a little bit more detail. But genetically modified soybeans currently make up 93 to 95% of all U.S. soybean supply. That's kind of nuts. 93 to 95%. Do you remember the last show where I talked about the um, Roundup Ready soybeans that Monsanto used to sell? Well, guess what? Now they've got these hybrid weeds or these new these these new morphs of of weeds that are coming out that are roundup resistant and they're actually now they're killing the crops again. So evidently we're going to go have to go back to the drawing board with Monsanto and find out something even more poisonous to put into these soybeans so that they can combat these mutating weeds. So Oh, also continuing um, with some of the facts from the article, um, GMO corn now takes up 86% of U.S. corn supply. And um, I'm actually going to have to look at this a little bit further because I, I recorded this whitewash um, yesterday from – it was either the History Channel or the National Geographic Channel talking about how great and how loving GMO corn was. And um, and it actually even got into the fact that they're, they grow um, chemicals and they grow medicine in the corn and then harvest the corn in order to get the medicine. And they talked about how great and loving that was as well. And and my wife and, and my mother-in-law were sitting there going, what the hell? They do this stuff? And like, yeah, they've been doing this stuff for years. But they grow it in these underground bases – or not bases, but they grow them in these underground caves – so number one, temperature doesn't fluctuate, and they don't get any you know any outside push, and also probably to hide where they are so people don't show up and protest them. Anyway, so continuing on, genetically modified Hawaiian papaya now currently makes up um, 93% of the Hawaiian papaya supply. So you can't even get. You're not going to eventually. We're not going to be able to have anything that's non-GMO. And then to cap off the entire article, this is what amazes me, and it um. And this will segue right into my next article. Amazingly, in a poll conducted by ABC, more than 93% of Americans feel that products containing GMOs should be labeled. Wow. And the, probably the, the, the 7% is somebody that they grabbed out of McDonald's that probably you know, doesn't even know that, that chicken nuggets don't con, con, that contain chicken and glue. So 
I'm going to go ahead and exercise that 7% and get them out of there. So almost everybody is in agreement that we should be labeling this stuff. But you know what? Transitioning into my next article, and if you guys want to follow along with the post, you can uh, log into my website, www.wearenotcattle.net, and I have hyperlinks to all these articles um, with um, with no breakdowns or anything this week, but eventually I will um, I'll start including breakdowns and synopsis for each article and what the takeaways are. So transitioning, the uh, the next article piggybacks right on top of what I was talking about earlier with the GMOs, and it's the FDA deletes one million signatures from the GMO labeling campaign. Now, how do they do this? We got a we got a million people that signed this petition to label GMOs, and guess what they do? This is so sneaky. I love it. This is why you gotta love your federal government because they love you. Uh, eventually, or evidently, the FDA counts the amount of signatures not by how many people signed it, but how many different individual letters are brought in. Isn't that nice? To the FDA, even though tens of thousands of signatures presented on a single petition count are as counted, you guessed it, a single comment. So you could have you could have everybody in the entire population, seven billion people, sign something, give it to the FDA, and be like, okay, that's one. Where's the next complaint? I want to see it. So. This is how, despite over a million supporters have been gathered the petition, the FDA has concluded that, has concluded that the count is only at 394 right now. So everybody just, you know, take some time, write a letter to the FDA and say, get this crap off my shelves or at least label it and shoot it to them. I know I will. And continuing in the article, the argument is whether the argument as to whether genetically modified foods are dangerous is a whole different discussion in its own. But the FDA has completely sidestepped away from labeling the GM foods is completely and utterly irresponsible. Consumers have every right to know what they are consuming. Amen. Needless to say, the biotechnical giant Monsanto, my favorite company in the world, is against GMO labeling. Gee, I wonder why. Claiming that it would be misleading to consumers since GMOs are quote unquote perfectly safe, you know, other than the, the thousands of documented cases that they have had that it causes liver failure and kidney problems and, and irritable bowel and all that stuff. Um, of course, there are plenty of evidence proving that GMO cores are not com- GMOs are not completely safe, and how they affect long term and how they affect life in the long term is questionable to say the least. So. Once again, go to my site. You can actually link to those articles. That was an article from InfoWars that was taken from, um, I think it was Natural News or um, this other natural site that I typically tend to monitor. So now we're going to transition into the topic for the show today. And the topic for the show today is your loving federal government, the NDAA, Obamacare, and – I'm actually going to get into the executive order a little bit that he announced um, last month. But I covered it a little bit, but I I really didn't kind of give you the broad scope of what's really happening. So let's look at the NDAA, and we'll go in chronological order, actually. So we'll look at the NDAA, and I actually linked to it on my site, the, the Wikipedia version of the NDAA. And within the Wikipedia version, it's kind of interesting because it talks about there have been some concerns that um, the president can secretly arrest and and ship you off somewhere. Well, that's 100% true. That is 100% true. So 
so what does all this mean? The secret arrest, you know, the well, you, you kind of slowly transition from from a government that is by the people for the people to a government that is on top of the people pressing down on you. And this happens in every society, everyone. You know, you get an oppressive regime in there, and that's the first thing that they'll do is they'll start start shutting off free speech, start trying to ban, you know, the use of firearms, and then they'll go after everything and they'll go for the complete shutdown. And then what happens is you have people that either either one of two things is going to happen. Excuse me, one of three things. So you have either people like myself that are going to get mad and scream for liberty and say that this is absolutely insane. I don't care how much evidence you have. You get a trial by jury. That's in the Constitution of the United States, and it's a trial by your peers, not some military tribunal where you get up there and just you know trump up some some garbage information on these people and then execute them. No, no, no. We don't do it that way. So you have that. You have number two. You have the people that are the um, I guess the ostrich people. I mean, I really wish I could coin a phrase for that, but you know, they're basically they just bury their heads in the sand and say. Doesn't exist. I can't be secretly arrested. I'm not going to worry about it. Leave me alone. I got to go watch ESPN. And then you have the third kind, which are my favorite. They're the people that acknowledge it, but then accept it because I'm not a bad person. This doesn't pertain to me because I'm not bad. So they play this mind trick with themselves. That even though it's on paper that we can get secretly arrested and thrown away into a dungeon and then tortured and, and killed and all that stuff, it doesn't apply to me because I'm a good person. Gee, I wonder how many Jews thought that when they started rounding them up. I'm a good person. It doesn't really matter to me. And then you know, look at the same thing with Soviet Russia. It's the same thing. You know, Hitler didn't put it on paper. Like this, he didn't just come out and say the president can. I can come in and just snatch people and you're out of here. Where did Bob go? Fuck, I don't know. I don't know where. Where did Bob go? So when you, when you have the NDA come out and you have all this backlash against it, and then you have the waffling game of the the politics that Barack Obama played. Yeah, you know, I, I'm not going to sign it. Because it's got this provision in there that says that we can secretly arrest citizens, and I'm not for that. Well, you know, it, it probably would be a good idea because we need to fight the war on terror. And then when does he sign it? Oh, yeah. When nobody's paying attention. Slides it under the cover of darkness. Much like the Patriot Act after 9-11 where everybody was running around frantic because we just watched a bunch of people fly planes into buildings. Which is still up for debate, by the way. So the American public would have pretty much bought anything at that point if they would have felt it made them safer. I mean, I know I would have. I was right. I was entrenched in that stuff. After I saw – I came home from class, and I saw the second plane hit with my girlfriend at the time, and literally I have never felt so vulnerable in my entire life. Because when you think of the United States and when you think of how you grew up, we never got invaded. War is always something that happens over there. We don't have to deal with war. War is, you know, it's over in those desert places or it's over in those jungles and you got guerrilla warfare and all that stuff. It never comes to the United States. And then lo and behold it does, and I would have signed away my firstborn if I could have been given if I could have been given some semblance of safety and security. 
So what do they do? They pass the Patriot Act, and they pose as the saviors once again and say that we're going to save you. Now, the NDAA is just straight up out in the open saying that we need to fight the war on terror, and it's going to go until we say it stops. It's just going to keep going until we say that it stops. So get ready, people, because once people start disappearing, you know, once people like Breitbart start getting outed, and I don't, I'm still very, very skeptical on what happened with that guy. You know, coming out saying that I'm going to release this footage that's going to bring Obama down. It's going to bring him down, and it's going to happen on March 1st, and he dies on March 1st. And and I'm the conspiracy theorist for thinking that somebody might have killed this guy that was going to release something that's going to bring the president down. I mean, come on, use your noodle or at least pay attention. So, no, you have the NDAA, and then you have Obamacare. Once again, government sitting above you, pressuring you into doing something. We are going to make you buy this product. Well, you, you say, hey, that's against the Constitution. You can't do that. Oh, yeah, they can. They just passed something that said they could secret arrest you to ship you off somewhere. You don't think they can pass something that'll make you make you buy some kind of, you know, health provision? And then the way they package it and sell it is such a joke and the fact that they say, "Well, it's like social security." "Well, it's like this." "Well, it's like that." Eventually, we're going to have to say no and go back to a free market. This is not free market. This is communism. When you have to buy something that the government sells you, and it's a big – it's all about the collective. Oh, it's for the greater good of the whole. No. It's not what this country was about. This country was not about the collectivism. It was not about the greater good for the, for the, entire, for the entire United States. This was about individual liberty and you having the right to choose. So you know, eventually we're just going to have to put our hands up on Obamacare. And I don't know what they're going to rule. You know, it would have taken me five minutes to rule, and they said they're not going to release it until June or something. That's what I heard. And because they have to give a written statement, all you have to do is write unconstitutional, cannot be passed. Done. That takes five minutes, not even five minutes. Well, you might have to put like a little trademark stamp on it or something, or find some letterhead. So now. Continuing on to all of those things, let's talk about the executive order because I did have people with the pushback saying that, hey, this is the same executive order that was signed back in the 50s, and they just dusted it off and said that, hey, you know, this is, you know, this is just for, you know, um, well, actually, when they signed it back in the 50s, it was for provisions of either, uh, I think it was after World War II, so it was during the big Cold War era. And it was the provision that if if Congress gets annihilated and eliminated, what happens? But with Obama's executive order, he comes out and says, well, this can be deployed whether we're at war or if it's just declared an emergency. And guess who gets to declare the emergency? So it, it's it's very interesting when you dive into it, and if you guys want links to that, you can go to my site and um, look at my archive shows. And once you click on the archive show page… You'll be able to see the documents, and I actually have the, the, the transcript from the White House, and you can read it for yourself. Absolutely astonishing. So, you know, that's the show for today. Tune in next Wednesday, 9.30. I'm actually thinking about moving the show to 9 o'clock because 9.30 is just getting some pushback from the viewers. So, you know, I appreciate everybody for tuning in today. 
And once again, get a friend, get informed, and get involved. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you Wednesday, 9 o'clock instead of 9.30. Be safe out there. And love your government.